Long distance relationships will require that you get more comfortable being assertive with your communication. And so that's another thing that you're going to have to be able to say, I feel, I feel insecure. Like what's going on? Which is also vulnerability, which can be hard. Hi guys, we're your hosts, Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hey friends, we hope everyone's hanging in there. Kaylin and I have honestly been apart for months at this point, which really sucks, and we keep joking that it feels like we're in a long-distance relationship, even though we're just a few streets apart. We are. Fun times. Yep. (laughs) So today, we are actually diving into how to navigate long-distance relationships right now, even if you aren't geographically far away, with our incredible guest, relationship expert, Dr. Morgan Cutlip. And a lot of couples are just starting out in long distance relationships right now if you're just meeting online, especially with with the virus, like you're not really getting together. So for anyone navigating those apps in the online dating world, this is also for you. And we're going to touch on that in the interview. So stay tuned. So a quarter of you who responded to our relationship polls on Insta recently said that you're in long distance relationships. And that's actually a pretty high percentage. I didn't know it would be that high. And I feel you, friends. (laughs) This topic is a close one to me because I've been in a LDR for a while now. And we have found ways to make it work for a long time and to make it really great. But COVID definitely tested that by keeping us apart, not just for a few weeks at a time, but for like three months at a time. And it's definitely sucked. It's It's been hard, but, you know, 77% of you agree that long distance is hard as fuck. Yeah. And 23% feel that it keeps the magic alive. And honestly, I do see both perspectives because when you take out like the uncertainty of not knowing when you're going to see someone again and when it's just you're going to be apart for a bit. There is something very exciting about like getting to miss someone and finding special ways to bond together. And then when you do come together, it's almost like this vacation from reality where you're just 100% focused on quality time Mm. and you're making the most of every minute. Like it's, it's definitely kind of sexy and there's like a different level of intimacy and attention there. But you know, when it becomes like a never ending amount of time away and you're not sure when you're going to see them and it's just like a long-term thing all the insecurities all the moments you miss it it can be really tough but it also can be worth it and lots of studies show that there's huge success to long-distance relationships so don't give up don't give up absolutely and the coolest thing that we realized with this episode is this isn't just for romantic relationships. Like a lot of our chat with Dr. Morgan focuses on romantic partners, but we also found that the advice she shared was totally helpful to anyone in your life that you're separated from right now. So I just wish we had this advice from her all along because it's it's pretty great. <laughs> so in any type of relationship in your life, a lot of it just boils down to having solid communication. And I feel like we've said that before on this this oh, podcast. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to keep saying it for a long time. Yeah. Because- communication <laughs> is key. And 53% of you said that you have really strong communication in your relationships, which is amazing. But about half of us are still struggling with communication issues, which obviously makes it even harder when you're further apart from each other. 
But as Dr. Morgan says, it's key to find a mode of communication that works for you so that you can show up for each other. So a lot of you DM'd us and said that you stay connected by FaceTiming every day. Some of you like texting nonstop or you use Marco Polo to stay in touch, which we literally just learned about in this chat. Like had no idea what that was. Um, And even writing letters and like planning special virtual dates and birthdays and playing games or cooking together. Like there's so many things that you can do to spend time with your loved ones that you can't be with. It just takes a bit of effort. It's so cute that someone said that they actually write physical letters to each other. I love that. So adorable. And it's just like so important to find that way to stay in touch that works for everyone because like I am not a texter. I'm a horrible texter, as anyone who knows me knows very well. And Kaylin, before me, just didn't know what FaceTime pretty much was. So, you know, you just got to find a way to keep in touch that that works for everybody. And a big part of that communication piece is also figuring out how to properly respond to each other's attempts to connect. Mm -hmm. Because decades of research shows the most satisfied relationships are those where each person responds to each other's emotional calls and attempts. They're called emotional bids. And while I think I've I've really worked on this in my relationship and, and like have a good thing going with that, I have realized recently that I have a lot of work to do in my friendships of of understanding how much my prompt responses can really mean and how much like maybe someone's just like Instagram DMing you a funny meme and you know, you don't think anything of it, but to them, like that's them reaching out and trying to share something with you. So I feel like I communicate with a lot of my friends via memes on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's just a nice way to be like, hey, thinking of you, this this reminded me me of you, but also I'm not capable of like real conversation right now. So So true. Oh, yeah. I mean, the key to making things work really is making quality time a priority, Mm -hmm. even if you're not together and planning extra special experiences that you can share to stay bonded and also to create memories. Because I feel like I used to think you create memories when you're in person and then when you're not, you just have to like try to maintain the status quo. But no, you can like create really special times when you're not together too. Yeah, and to your point, like you've been in a long distance relationship for a long time and you have always found ways to keep it spicy. And I mean, I keep saying this, you're like the queen of date nights. I need you to just like <laughs> plan all my date nights with Gabe because it's gotten, it's gotten a little bleak over here, guys. Like <laughs> We're languishing, we're languishing. <laughs> we are hardcore languishing. If you don't know what that is, maybe we'll link the New York Times article in our, in our show notes. But anyways... Can you please share some date night ideas that you do? Because you are so good at staying connected, even with your friends. Like you do some really fun things virtually. So like enlighten us, please. Thanks, man. I try. So, I mean, the big thing is that my partner and I do like beyond the day-to-day FaceTiming and chatting before bed every night. I've just found that it's really important to have like designated date nights where you're being super intentional about undistracted time during this like special night that you carve out or day that you carve out for yourselves it's similar to when you're in person how like you could just sit beside each other on a couch every night and like text and watch something and not connect or you could be like okay we've been doing that for a while tonight let's really make it special so that's so funny that you say that because literally last night Gabe and I were sitting in bed being like why are we so rough like just like in such a rut right now and then we realized we haven't planned any like fun date nights. We like whipped out the calendar, put some dates in there. So I think you're right. You got to schedule it or you'll just get in the trap of Netflix and dinner in bed. Exactly. (laughs) It's like whether you're together or apart, the monotony of like the situation that we're in right now is trying on everyone. So it's just like being very purposeful with uh, 
making special time. And if you're not together, like there's still ways to, as Kaylin said, keep it spicy, keep it new. We've been taking master classes together. We do like culinary classes virtually and then have little cooking dates together, which is really fun. We make the same things. We've played cards virtually. We like mix special cocktails together and learn how to make a new cocktail recipe. So yeah, there's lots of, of special things that you can do. But beyond like a nice date night every week or two, it's also important to share goals together yeah because we may still be far away but I've really enjoyed being each other's accountability buddies so we work out regularly together we signed up for the same workout challenge we just encourage each other's goals and good habits which is really nice to do sweet yeah I mean it, it can be hard when someone's like growing or doing all these new things and you're not together to to be with them Mm -hmm. through it so it's just important to try to be a part of it Mm -hmm. and then there's just we talk about this in the episode but just trying to meet each other's needs in terms of what your love languages are so for me at least like words of affirmations are, are a big deal for me so reassurance is key another big thing that I learned is that it is okay to set boundaries when you're apart Mm -hmm. for example I'm always wide awake at midnight I'm like I'm ready to roll I am ready to get into some life chats but that does not work (laughs) with my partner's schedule it was really interfering with his sleep so we had to set some boundaries around that and I really needed to to stop expecting late night talks because it wasn't fair and likewise if I'm trying to talk about something that's important to me and he's really distracted and like cleaning or doing something on his computer I mean it's really easy to multitask when you're on FaceTime because the person's not there I just say you know what let's pick this up later when we have the uh, like attention and time to focus on each other because I'm not yeah. trying to talk to someone who's cleaning out their oven you know so. <laughs> just saying <laughs> about things that are important like no And the last thing that I will say is that, you know, physical touch is obviously a big priority for a lot of people in terms of their love language. And it's a tough one while you're apart. It it really is. But it is it's just really key to find ways to be able to stay intimate and to keep your attraction alive, either through verbal reassurance or like on those date nights, I dress up more and actually like do my hair and feel good about myself than I do any other times during quarantine. I so that. I feel good. I feel wanted or connecting physically because even though you're apart, you can do that together. And just saying the we vibe pairs up with your phone <laughs> at literally any distance. So yes, get it. Get one. <laughs> get it. Honestly, everything you just said is so important in like any relationship like I I obviously I live with Gabe and I see him all the time but everything you just said I'm like oh yeah like yeah like these are basic fundamental things that you need to do no matter how far apart you are and no matter how long that distance is too like Gabe and I were apart for two weeks two weeks straight and then one week which I honestly I feel like an asshole saying that right now because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like months apart no, but that was your taste of what it would be like being apart. That's valuable. Yeah. We did not do great. Um, <laughs> it was really bad because like Gabe, you and Gabe are very similar. His love language is physical touch and quality time. And I was like Miss Independent and was just not messaging him at all, thinking he's fine. Like, I, I'm good. You're good. You're at home. You got the dog. And it was it was bad. We just didn't communicate. We didn't do any of the things that you just listed out. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. But we are not the experts. So we called in Dr. Morgan Cutlip, who has a PhD in counseling psychology and holds a master's degree in human development and family sciences. 
She also helps individuals and couples find happiness and health in their relationships. And for over 13 years, she's worked at Love Thinks, which is a company that creates practical relationship education resources. She does it all. And Morgan's passion for helping fellow millennials find love, happiness, and longevity in their relationships without the drama is very clear. And we are here for that. <laughs> yeah, seriously, she's one of the most delightful people ever. We both just couldn't stop talking about how we wish we were best friends with her <laughs> right after we spoke with her. So She's epic. Yeah, let's dive into that. Teach us how to thrive in distanced relationships, Morgan. Thank you so much for being here today with us, Morgan. We are so excited to talk to you. Personally, we've been dealing a lot with relationships and how COVID and distance have been affecting them. So this is really timely and really important to us right now. But before we dive in, we just wanted to hear more about yourself and how you got into counseling. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this topic with you guys today. I actually, I don't talk about this much on social media, but I work with my dad um, he is a doctorate in psychology, just like I am, and um, it started when I was really young. I would travel with him to conferences when he was working on his doctorate. I went to school with him, and he used to give me cases. Like, we would play a game, and he would describe a case, and he would ask me how I would handle it. He really did sort of raise me up in the field, and so I feel like I just kind of grew up in the profession yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> I love that. So jumping into long distance relationships, in your experience, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've witnessed with clients or even friends that are going through long distance relationships? I think that, you know, when it comes to long distance relationships, the the challenge is also the the benefit of them, kind of what gets you, you know, to a deeper level. But I think the challenge is just that you're really so heavily reliant on talking um it can mm. be it can sort of be a one-dimensional type of relationship i think this mm. is also a benefit again if you get really good at talking that's something that will serve you in the long run but what can sometimes happen is um if you build a relationship that's day one long distance and you spend all your time talking Obviously, you're going to feel like you really, really know each other well. It's going to feel like we have done all of the groundwork. We've been spending hours on the phone or FaceTime or Marco Polo or whatever you do. And so we're good. Like we checked the boxes. We covered our bases. And I think what often happens then is it creates this sort of false feeling of really knowing the person. But you can't mm -hmm. truly know somebody unless you also get to know them in other situations and circumstances like in person you know what yeah. is this person like when they're uh, upset when they're angry how do they treat other people how are they with you when their friends are around you know some people mm -hmm. are like a totally different person when their mm -hmm. friends are around and so I think just the biggest challenge is not not getting too far ahead of yourself because you feel such a strong sense of knowing, knowing that there's still other things to discover when you finally have the opportunity to come together in person. Right. You can get to know a piece of someone, but until you see like how right. they treat the wait staff and like how they are Absolutely. in traffic and all of those different pieces, it's hard to really 
get the full picture. Yeah, you want to see them upset. You want to see them under stress. What are they like after like a boss has reprimanded them and they're dealing mm. with authority? I mean, there's all these things you really want to pay attention to that can be hard to get a clear picture of when you're long distance. Yeah. So could you talk to us about the importance of strong communication in long distance relationships? Because obviously that's very much like the cornerstone of of keeping a relationship going in distance. And a lot of people, myself included, find that you have to communicate even more and even better than, than in a normal relationship where you are together. But I hear from a lot of people that their partners aren't really talkers or they're not texters or they don't like being on the phone for long amounts of time. And, and that can be really challenging if you've now all of a sudden, perhaps because of border closures or because one of you is immunocompromised or essential workers, or there's all different reasons why people are suddenly apart for a lot longer than they used to be. I was apart from my partner for like three months from Christmas till wow. pretty much now. And it's been like, it's put a huge strain on things. It's really challenging. So How can you navigate those communication components? Yeah, I think this is really challenging. I mean, the the communication piece is like the flip side. When I said it's kind of a like a disadvantage sometimes not knowing somebody, you know, 360 sort of degrees of somebody. But the communication piece can be a really nice benefit of it when you're long distance. There are these sort of built-in boundaries around parts of your relationship when you're long distance um, that force you to have to be a better communicator. And so communication is absolutely essential. And so Mm -hmm. um, it can be absolutely really challenging if you don't have somebody who's a talker or a texter. So you're going to have to make some compromises in those areas and kind of do things that might feel a little bit uncomfortable. Something that can be really helpful, especially for couples who know, you know, even if they start long distance or you know a a separation is coming, to have a, a sort of conversation about what are these expectations that we have about what our long distance time is going to look like. Are we talking every day? Are we talking once a week? Are we just texting or are we having an actual phone call together we Marco Polo you know there's so many opportunities for communicating through technology but having a conversation around how are we going to run this relationship where when we're at a distance there's going to be a lot more opportunity for feeling disconnected for feeling vulnerable for feeling um, a bit insecure how do we plan to navigate this together and and develop a plan together if you know that your partner is not a talker they don't like to elaborate much on the phone what are you going to do to navigate that differential in the relationship and help the other partner who needs more talking to feel reassured that still everything Mm -hmm. is okay during this time of distance so it really becomes about negotiating in your relationship about how are you both going to be taking care of each other right setting up some expectations because otherwise you can just feel so disappointed like if you're sending messages and expecting responsiveness and not receiving that then that can cause insecurity or or loneliness and all these things so setting it up earlier on hey can we try to commit to x y and z to each other if that works I mean we do this in all relationships where we jump to conclusions and make assumptions but when Mm -hmm. you have so much less exposure to one another I think there's more opportunity to do that and so that's a a conversation that can be helpful to have like listen when I don't hear from you for two days I'm gonna be thinking you've like 
you know, run off and gotten married to somebody. You know, it's like your mind can do these wild (laughs) things. And so letting each other know, like, how do we reassure each other when we're feeling disconnected or I'm not hearing from you, you know, as much as I'd like to. Yeah. The stories we tell ourselves, (laughs) as Brene Brown says. (laughs) It's so true, though. Communication is so key. Even I was just away from my husband for two weeks, which is nothing like three months. But I am not a phone talker. I just don't like it. Jill had to teach me how to FaceTime like this year. It's (laughs) embarrassing. So I would go like I think we went two days without talking. And then eventually my husband was like, hey, like I need to communicate with you. Like his one of his love languages is quality time. So Mm -hmm. I just completely forgot and just thought, hey, I live with you so you can survive two weeks without me. But like, no, you still have to foster that relationship, even if you're apart for two weeks, let alone three months. So uh, speaking of love languages, how do you address each other's love languages if they don't seem possible while at a distance? Like if his is quality time or if it's physical touch, how do you kind of make that work? Yeah, I mean, I think... Long-distance relationships are hard. They can also, if you are willing to put in some work and some creativity, can be a lot of fun. And so I think this is an area where you're going to have to get a little bit creative. So if it's gifts, you know that you can, like, send things to people very easily. (laughs) Hop on Amazon. (laughs) Shoot something over, right? DoorDash their favorite meal or some ice cream at their house. Whatever does it for them. If it's quality time you know FaceTime and have like a date virtually and I know these things are like Mm -hmm. oh sometimes we just don't take the time to do this stuff but there's plenty of opportunities and resources that we have today to really have a pretty rich long distance relationship we do a lot of work with uh, military couples and so they're on like year-long deployments trying to navigate this wow. stuff. And, yeah. you know, we've seen people do some incredible things. Like there's one person that created a calendar and wrote out all the special occasions and anniversaries and birthdays and like pre-set up sending flowers and gifts and had it oh, all planned out for the entire, so right? The I know, I'm like, who's so this nice. person? But I the know. whole entire <laughs> year of deployment. I mean, really what it's about is like practicing this presence, this presence of one another, even when you're at a distance. And so finding mm-hmm. the ways to do this, you can have a journal that you write in, you mail it, they write in, it kind of becomes this ongoing communication back and forth to one another that you get to kind of have as a memory of it all when it's done. You can write letters. I mean, there's just so many ways to meet each other's needs during a time when you're apart. And I think, you know, touch. Touch is the hardest. You know, how are you doing Mm -hmm. um, touch at a distance? But touch is also, it's not just like the physicality it is, but also it's the... It's the flirtation, the words mm-hmm. of affection, the all of mm-hmm. that, and all that's easily done at a distance. So it's really being, uh, you know, cognizant of these things and putting in a little bit extra effort. But it can be like a really special time. I love what you said about being like intentional about it too, because I feel like it's really easy. My partner and I Facetime a lot, like mm-hmm. a lot. Like we we go to bed on Facetime together every night. <laughs> like it's a it's a lot of Facetime, but it's really easy. The same way as people in person, it's it's really easy to just take that time for granted and start yeah. like multitasking and doing lots of things. Mm. And I got mm-hmm. to a point where I was like, it's almost better if we do this 
less but make it really intentional rather than not paying much attention but having our phone set up on FaceTime and so then we started being more proactive about how we were spending our time and like okay if we're gonna FaceTime let's cook the same meal let's take a Gordon Ramsay master class get all the ingredients and like do a class together and then we're learning something and bonding and it's it's really nice and even I mean in terms of touch if people out there are comfortable with it like there's still a lot of opportunity for intimacy like virtually you know it's not going to be someone else touching you but it can still be like an experience that you share together so that's another way to try to absolutely squeeze that in yeah and I love you did like a cooking class that's incredible I think there's so many opportunities to do to do things like that together yeah Jill has epic date nights it's the cutest they get dressed up it's <laughs> it's adorable that is so I love sweet. it <laughs> and then you mentioned a couple ideas like the calendar idea and the journal idea which is so cute but how else do you recommend that couples stay connected through rituals so they can still grow and bond together even though they're not physically together yeah I think there's like big ones and then there's like micro ones so I mean like the Gordon Ramsay master class, that's like a big one. Or even, you know, FaceTiming every night is kind of a bit of more micro sort of like we're just doing this regularly in our routine, kind of like the maintenance type of stuff. Um, I think there's lots of things you can do to foster togetherness. You can read the same book and come and talk about it and you feel like you're doing something together. Um I love Marco Polo, my best friend. A lot of people leave California lately. Um, So I've had lots of (laughs) friends leave and my best friend is gone. And we use Marco Polo to just like, I feel like some days we're like doing the day together because we What is Marco Polo? (gasps) Yeah, what is it? You don't know. I'm like, (laughs) no, no. this is the best part of this episode. I was going to Google it after you first mentioned it. I was like, I'm going (laughs) to pretend I know what this is. What is it? So it's, it's, um, it's an app and it's free and it's an asynchronous chat, but it feels like you can do life together when it's convenient for both of you. It's fantastic. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes. It's I great. feel like Kaylin and I have started doing that just with like voice memos, voice notes back and forth to each other because oh. we just will try to like talk so much that we end up doing voice memos. But Marco Polo sounds way better. No, you so. need to do this. We should instead. totally do that. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting because <laughs> I even feel it's like Kaylin and I have we're a few streets away, but with all the lockdowns, it feels like we're in a long distance relationship. Right we now, are. Which, I we miss just you. see each other every day. <laughs> like it's so. This is so much more than just for like romantic partners this is for friends and family yeah. And, oh yeah yeah everyone oh yeah I was gonna say one more thing about some of these rituals I think there's also ways that we can use our language just the way we say things can help us feel more connected to our partner so um if there's something that happened in the day and you're like this happened today and it I totally was reminded of this time when we did these things together or made me think of you or you know, things that convey I'm in your world with you are Mm -hmm. little examples of kind of day-to-day sort of rituals that you can incorporate to feel connected even when you're apart. That's lovely. That's really nice. Another aspect of being in a long distance relationship is just the loneliness. And you've posted some really helpful tips on social about dealing with loneliness and being apart, being apart from your partner for a long time can just really increase the loneliness, but it can be hard to reach out and to admit that you're struggling and that you're lonely. I know you've talked about how there's like a bit of shame that can be wrapped up in feeling lonely and feeling like you need someone else. Mm -hmm. Do you have any suggestions for how to broach 
that when you're feeling lonely like from a self-soothing perspective and then also from like a communicating to your partner that you're, you're really isolated and lonely right now and need some support yeah I mean you really hit on how I think about this question which is that there's like this individual aspect or this kind of within where it's like you you are responsible for understanding what's going on with you and then inviting other people in and then there's this like between where you where you finally do kind of reach out and invite um, someone in and I think you know with loneliness you just said it you know there can be a lot of shame in this feeling of like what's wrong with me that I need other people but I mean we we are wired to be connected these lockdowns have been from a mental health perspective, very, very disastrous for a lot of people. We need other people. And so it's normal to feel lonely when you're apart from a partner, when you're separated from friends. This is a human universal experience. And I think that loneliness is incredibly common. So, you know, part of it is taking personal responsibility, um, taking ownership of what you're going through, which is the individual, the within piece, and then figuring out, okay, how am I going to involve the people I care about that are safe, that I love, that, I, that I'm needing in these moments and really practicing some kind of like assertive communication around this stuff. You know, it's, it's a bit of vulnerability to say, hey, I miss you. I'm struggling. I feel so lonely today. Um, and there's yeah. not, you know, when you can't like, I'll run right over, you know, when you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. The fix isn't always satisfying, but sometimes putting it out there and letting, letting your partner hear it and them saying, I know I miss you too, can be enough to help you feel like you're not in it alone. I mean, cause the reality mm-hmm. is none of us, you know, I think most of us are feeling a lot lonelier than we normally do and we're not in it alone, but you have to take ownership and responsibility in expressing that so that you can get support around it. Yeah. I think that inner work is, is really important in that piece. I, I really like that you brought that up. Um, so on, on that and the feeling of feeling loneliness, um, how can people balance their needs or without being too needy or too dependent on their partner and what happens if you're not getting what you need, but you're trying to communicate that you're not, you're feeling lonely and it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. How can you, how can you balance that? I know. I think needs are hard no matter what, um, even in, in person relationships. So I think it's important to, to define what neediness is or like what's unhealthy because I mean some people believe that having needs in general makes them needy like oh my gosh I need something I'm needy you know and so there's a kind of stigma around that but we all we all have needs so when you think about what's what's unhealthy so unhealthy is just like a normal need taken to the extreme is what I would call an unhealthy need so like an unquenchable need that like no matter what it can never be met and so it becomes important uh in all relationships to figure out is my need realistic am i dealing with one of my extreme needs here or is this i mean sometimes uh our relationships can be such that they stir up a new need in us that is extreme because there's something unhealthy in the relationship. So I think this is like a pretty complex issue. I think, you know, in long distance relationships, it's likely that some of your normal needs will be enhanced or like activated a bit more strongly 
because mm-hmm. you're lacking the in-person relationship or there's more vulnerability because you're apart most of the time or all of the time or there's less communication. And so I guess I'm saying unhealthy needs are extreme needs, but also when you're in a long-distance relationship, some of your needs might become a little bit more extreme. And so I think part of the work is trying to figure out, is this a product of something with me that I need to deal with? Is this a product of something within the relationship where I need to communicate my needs more assertively and ask for what I want? Or is this a product of we're in a long distance relationship and it feels more vulnerable? And so I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to kind of define some of that. Um, And then, you know, when you're feeling in a relationship repeatedly that there's some particular need that's not being met, it can be a really helpful signal that it's time to just ask for what you need and so we have to get mm-hmm. and this is the beauty of long distance relationships is you're talking a lot more so you got to get real good at talking and asking for what you want and for what you need and being assertive with that that's really helpful i i like what you said about trying to define where the needs are coming from because i i struggle a lot with this personally i feel I don't know if I am or if I've been made to feel throughout my life, but I do feel like I'm a needy person and that I have a Mm. lot of needs and I've been told that and I'm pretty good at communicating what I need and I'm I'm very vocal about it, but Mm. I feel like I need to do a bit of work on figuring out, could I like fill some of those needs on my own? Like, could I be a bit more Mm. self-sufficient? Could I give myself more and not rely on others to fill those gaps for me? Because I really do. And so... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm just constantly trying to juggle this like balance between am I being too needy, but shouldn't I be able to ask for what I need? And like, don't you have yes. a partner to help you meet these needs? But then also, I should be better at feeling these needs for myself. And it's, it's yeah, it's a, a complicated. <laughs> it's it is. It's a super complicated concept. And so I know that's why I think I'm like I could kind of ramble about needs for a long time. Um, I think something that helps is when you're thinking about like, is this neediness? is to think about, you know, is this an exception or the rule? So if you look through the Mm. history of your life, have you been accused of being needy a lot? Okay, yeah, there's a pattern there. All right, all right. So let me me follow that path a little bit. So then you want to ask yourself, is that... Something that, you know, I'm just in a a relationship often with people who really suck at meeting my needs. Or have I been told perhaps from a very young age that I'm too much or I'm, you know, or or I'm too big. I'm too, my emotions are too much. I need too much. So what is this about and what was going on with them? And then you almost are like, I mean, this is like so much self-work to kind of get into this stuff. Tracing kind of the origin of this and figuring out what is the pattern here, what's been going on, and then what's my plan of attack? Because um, there is a lot of self-work you can do around this division of what are my needs that I meet myself and that I'm responsible for and what are realistic needs to ask for others to meet. Hmm. I could could take a page out of that book too. (laughs) It's tricky. (laughs) And I think there's like mixed messages about some of these things that we have to navigate to, you know, you should be fine on your own, but we need each other and they should be able to do this for you, you know, and it's, it's kind of sorting through all of the um, external information that we consume too, that can be really confusing. Yeah. And there's so much emphasis placed on 
independence and like self-sufficiency in our society and then in every other aspect of my life like in my career and my family and my friends I think I'm pretty independent like I don't require people to like carry me in my life Mm -hmm. but then as soon as I get in a relationship I just feel like I would give you everything I've got and I'm hoping to find someone that can reciprocate that and it's yeah you know it's it's a balance but yes I'm like oh I keep going on this but yeah I mean I think like you know that's interesting when you say okay well when I get into a romantic relationship and you almost want to kind of dig into your relationship with your caregivers growing up and was there ever something that you so desired that didn't get met and so when you get into these romantic relationships it's like I'm trying to like rewrite the ending to my other to my old story I'm trying to find a new way and I'm trying to do it differently and so that is a common pattern that can um, lead to having like a not always insatiable but like a more extreme need that's harder to meet that feels like you just can't seem to get it all and so that's where I'd go going down that path yeah (laughs) I feel that (laughs) I feel that (laughs) so what do you recommend if someone is feeling like they are in an unreciprocal relationship or like that they're putting in way more effort to close that distance gap than their partner is how do you know when it's just a bit of a conversation to have or when it's like this is like foundational yeah I mean I think you start with a conversation right like I'm feeling like I'm doing all this work and you're just kind of on the receiving end I'm not sure what your investment is and you have a conversation and try not to make too many assumptions I think you know when you're when you're dating especially is like it's constant you're constantly sort of like piecing together a picture to figure out what somebody's truly like and how you know dependable they are and trustworthy they are and so um it becomes you know First, you're asking, you're, you're having the conversation, you're asking the questions, you're seeing what they do with it. Does anything change? Does it stay the same? I think then, if you're wanting to stay in the relationship and nothing's really changing, then you need to set some boundaries around how much you're investing. You know, I mm-hmm. think it can be really easy to, you know, accelerate our dependencies in relationships. Put some boundaries there and then see what you notice and what, you know, are you holding the relationship together because you're doing all the work or does a person step up? But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're in a severely imbalanced relationship where you're not both pulling your weight, that doesn't bode well for long-term commitment, right? You know, do you really want to be in a long-term relationship with somebody who doesn't um, invest in the relationship like you do? And so it's kind of right. testing that out, giving chances, you know, hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. Very honest answer. <laughs> yeah, I like that. We we no bullshit here. This There's is no, no bullshit, bullshit here. No, that is what everybody needs to hear. And then an interdependent relationship seems to be what is like the gold star of having a healthy balance in a relationship these days. So can you talk to us about what that means, what it looks like, how we can aim for it, especially if you're in a relationship and you can't be together with your partner all the time? I know. I think that's a hard question. I mean, interdependence is really when it's like you're invested in the relationship, but you have a strong sense of self, right? When you want to be with a person but you aren't desperately needing to be with a person when you value each other but are not like in this enmeshed 
kind of imbalanced relationship. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately that's what we're kind of all hoping to have, right? Like a solid sense of self and a really nice partnership. I think in some ways it might be a little bit easier to balance in a long distance relationship because you can't find yourself in that pattern where you're like, I don't even talk to my friends anymore. We're together every waking moment. And I've completely, (laughs) you know, I've completely like combined with this person where there's no separation between me and them anymore. So in some ways, there's like these built-in boundaries that help to protect that interdependence. But I think what's important is that when you're not long distance anymore, be careful that you don't kind of boomerang where you're like, we've been apart and now we're together always. And so maybe you've maintained some interdependence while apart. Then you come together and it's completely lost and you sort of over invest in the person. And so just being aware of these things can be really, really helpful in long distance relationships. That's so, that's so funny. That's exactly like you just described my my situation so perfectly. My, (laughs) my friends, when I started dating my partner a while ago, uh, a few of them were like, we really like you in this relationship because you are still like you're still very yourself and you haven't lost yourself in them Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of independence and just by virtue of being far apart um, because it was a long distance relationship before COVID hit but COVID has really put a lot of extra difficulties and strains on it like it just used to be a few weeks at a time not a few months so everyone noted how easily I was to just maintain my own life in a long distance relationship so I have liked that but then when he comes to visit they're all like well we'll see Jill in a week when she emerges from her love (laughs) cave like to be careful I mean it's a cool opportunity to do it differently and see what that feels like and looks like and I, you know, I think that's like the, when you have good friends that have sound judgment, that feedback is so helpful because now it's like they were able to shine a light on something for you or you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, I guess I do kind of like absorb into their lives and, you know, how do I want to approach this next thing differently? And I think that when it comes to interdependence and dependence, um, feedback from outsiders can actually be really helpful because when you're when you're in it it's really hard to see what's going on from the outside perspective Mm -hmm. totally and that's hard I mean I would love if you could even just talk a bit more about that because it's hard to take feedback from friends when you're so close to like something that you love and it's hard to give feedback to friends when you don't want to like insult or cause a problem and so it's it's a weird thing all around trying to navigate people in relationships and like what you witness of them and what they witness of you I know I feel like delivery is everything depending on your relationship and how close you are and kind of if this is like we always share stuff with each other this is what we do then it's kind of no big deal you know if they seem really some people are really um like have a heightened sensitivity to getting any feedback about their relationship or partner so I mean sometimes you can't say it you know and other times you can say something like you know I'm noticing something and I'm wondering if you feel comfortable with me sharing it with you or if you just want to keep want me to keep my opinions to myself you know, yeah. and so I think that every individual kind of has to navigate, like, how much can I push um, and how much do I think that they can take and mm-hmm. finding ways to ask permission, finding ways to be like, listen, this might just be a fluke, but like, I kind of notice blah, 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 blah. Or even, hey, I've missed you. I haven't seen you since you guys have been dating. I noticed that 
this happened with the last person you dated too. You know, what's, hmm. You know, you can kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, point <laughs> dot, out dot, dot, that with you. <laughs> Just going to put this on the table and walk away. So I think there's all sorts of ways to kind of trickle that information in depending on your relationship and kind of how you guys, how comfortable you are with sharing. But it's hard to, it can be hard to hear. But I think for the people who are on the receiving end, you know, when you are feeling in love, thing you do not always see things clearly. And I think that's why, you know, at the end of the day, like the one biggest message about dating relationships is like you need to set some boundaries so that you can really get to know somebody well before you overinvest in your commitment or your trust in them or your dependencies on them. And so mm-hmm. there have to be some boundaries around these things um, because you don't always see clearly when you are mm-hmm. totally caught up in the excitement of a relationship. And so a lot of times friends and family have a really good perspective on what's going right. on. And as hard as it can be to hear that information, it's valuable most of the time. Yeah. yeah. When delivered in yeah. a very nice way. Yeah. Or unless you <laughs> yeah. have like a dysfunctional friend, consider yeah. consider the messenger. So another difficult part of of being away from each other for a long time is that it can create insecurity and Mm -hmm. doubt um and can you just talk to us about how we can navigate those insecurities and just establish more trust when you're kind of like living two different lives when you're good you're in a long distance relationship it's totally appropriate to say to one another one another you know I know I'm going to feel insecure sometime. Like you're going to be out late or you're not going to call me when you said or, we're, you know, we're going to miss our FaceTime at, at night and I'm going to feel insecure. You know, what, mm-hmm. how do we want to navigate that together? How can I let you know when I'm feeling insecure? What's like the best way for me to tell you and that you'll receive it well versus being like defensive or, or feeling like they're being, you know, um, you're controlling them or something. So, you know, anything you can prevent beforehand is really, really helpful. I think, too, you know, this communication piece is like a common thread through our discussion of, you know, long-distance relationships will require that you get more comfortable being assertive with your communication. And so that's another thing that you're going to have to be able to say, I feel, I feel insecure, like, What's going on? Which is also vulnerability, which can be hard. Yeah, and I, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, but it's it's like you don't have a lot more to go on when you're apart. Yeah. And so it's right, so yeah. important. I think, too, with, with trust, you know, one thing to pay attention to is consistency between what they say they're going to do and what they do. It's hard to build trust when you're apart, but that's kind of the one, that's one big thing that you can go on, you know, they said they're going to call me tonight. They don't call. And this is a pattern. Right. Like mm-hmm. regularly, this person does not follow through when they say they would. That's a big, big, big red flag. And so that's something to really key into when you're in a long distance relationship. And you're right. Like establishing those boundaries right off the bat is really helpful. And then figuring out what mm-hmm. delivery they receive best. I mean, yeah. I've been doing this like for a long time now and I just figured out a few weeks ago that when my partner was kind of repeatedly like doing something that I didn't like and I would bring it up but I would bring it up in a very just like a not nice way like I was being a like a dick about it I would I would just I didn't want to be vulnerable and put myself out there and say this makes me feel insecure so instead yeah. I was just like attacking and and I was just being like aggressive about it and he wasn't receiving it and he wasn't hearing yeah. me and then he would just get defensive and then finally I one day I was just like 
it make this makes me feel really insecure and bad about myself. And yeah. I'm really hoping that you can like hear me saying this and then weigh out if it's worth it to continue when it makes me feel so small and crappy. And he was like, immediate change. Immediate. Yes. Because I I Yay. wasn't attacking and I wasn't like <laughs> yes. attacking his character, which I didn't mean to do, but it's easy to do that sometimes instead of just as a society, we are taught like be confident and, and don't show people that you feel bad about yourself and all of this like rhetoric that's unhealthy mm-hmm. because yeah. it just teaches us that you're not allowed to be vulnerable and to just say, hey, this makes me feel bad about myself. Yes. So that was, oh, that I love was helpful. I that you did that. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Like, it's crazy how this small shift of actually speaking from the heart versus speaking from this sort of, like, protective stance can really yeah. break down so many barriers in communication in our relationships. So, yay. Keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yay, Jill. vulnerability trying I mean it's it's just like dismantling all that like stupid shit that people say when you grow up like there's so much where we have to like hide ourselves don't reveal that you're jealous don't reveal that you feel bad about yourself never say that you're self-conscious or don't feel good about your body to your partner or they won't love you anymore shit like that and it's like none of that's true or real and I want a relationship where you can say difficult scary vulnerable things and they're not going to suddenly lose attraction to you. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I do feel like our gener- like this next generation is like peeling back the layers of that and kind of doing things differently, which is really, really cool to see. And it's just such like a bummer. I don't even like, I just need a stronger word, but like we all share these feelings these worries these vulnerabilities these insecurities and it's like missing this massive shared human experience when we approach things from a defensive stance because it's like we we all we all have these experiences and so it's a it's a such a missed opportunity to connect so we would love to chat with you about online dating right now because a lot of our friends are doing it and it is essentially like operating in a long distance relationship. Um, even if you are in the same city as the potential partner, you can't really see each other with COVID restrictions. So do you have any advice or experiences with how to make the most of online dating right now for for our friends. We are asking for our friends specifically. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, if it goes from online dating to more committed then do all the things we've talked about. Make it fun. Mm-hmm. Do these date nights. Build build up a solid foundation for when you finally can meet in person. And have fun with it. Like, if you're like, this is what I've got right now, I might as well make the most of it. Uh, it can be a really fun opportunity to get to know people in different ways. And so do your best to put a spin on it. So I was working with a client recently, and she's, like, super resistant to online dating, and she's not had many relationships. And I've said... I need you to practice ending relationships like ending relationships Ah. is a skill. And because she said, oh, there's no there's no good people out there. I'm like, fantastic. Like, I want you to go on (laughs) date. Like, I want you to do like a virtual date with a no good person and then have to cut it off. Like repeatedly, repeatedly practice that. That's such a good idea. Yeah, I know. It's (laughs) not like she wasn't thrilled about my advice. Let's just put it that way. But like, I think that virtual dating is a great opportunity to practice skills that you as an individual are trying to improve on in your relationship so if you're somebody who's like i never ask for what i need practice there is like a built-in distance here that feels kind of safe and so Mm -hmm. practice asking for what you need practice being more sort of practice asking unsexy questions that is so Mm -hmm. important when you're dating and getting to know somebody like ask like 
tell me about how you manage your finances. Like ask the unsexy stuff. Practice yeah. doing things that if you were sitting face to face would feel extra scary. And when you're meeting, you're meeting people and you're not interested, practice ending the relationships because so often we stay way too long or we try to sneak our way out of relationships. But being able to be assertive with endings is a really important skill. Oh, I was such a sneaker outer back in the day. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of sneaker outers. <laughs> Were was, you I was the worst. I would just like ghost. I was really bad. I would like bad. change your number. But... <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. You guys were all very lovely men. I'm just, it's, I'm the worst. That's such it good advice. I've, I've never heard of that spin on online dating. And that's, that's so great because from what I've heard from a lot of my close friends, they're just so scared to put them, themselves out there. or They've had a couple bad experiences and that sort of sets the tone for the rest of them. But using it to your advantage to like strengthen those skills is such a good good way to look at it I, I've always been like I'm not a good candidate for online dating because like I could meet the shittiest person in the world on there and I'd be like I bet they were nice to their mother and that weren't someone loving them yeah, like and they're I will just find something oh my gosh Chill. it's a it's, nice way to think about it I yeah think that's great. I mean you could learn some skills my dad always has this I mean it's a little different considering COVID, my dad always says like online dating is called the wrong thing. Like it should be called online meeting because like you shouldn't Mm. be doing all of the dating and figuring out everything online, which now we kind of are a little bit. But I think too, Mm. like remembering the purpose of it, it's to like meet people you might not normally come in contact with, expand your options. So have some fun with it and use it as um, practice. So One last question that we always like to ask our guests is what is one thing that you wish you had learned in school that you didn't? I mean, this obvious one for me, which would be, I think they should teach relationship stuff in school. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I wish that there was more emphasis on um, teaching some like discernment in relationships Mm -hmm. in schools, teaching, you know, how do you figure somebody out? Um, How Mm -hmm. do you, how do you use assertive communication and not like completely go to the extreme and just be nasty and aggressive, but like, how do you balance good communication and expressing your needs? And so let's do that. <laughs> let's help our, let's help our kids be better at this. That. Because then those kids become better adults and that's what we need. Yes. I know <laughs> oh, yeah. it all trickles down. So. so tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at mylovethinks. Um, we all, I also have a blog, uh, mylovethinks.com. But my dad has a book that I highly recommend for singles. It's insanely practical. It's called How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. And <laughs> everyone should that. read it. I love that. Oh, that's so <laughs> and great. And it's for men and for women. Jerks are supposed to be gender neutral, but yeah. I like that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This was the best. I mean, I personally am not in a long distance relationship, but I have learned so much that I could be doing better in my relationship (laughs) with my husband. So thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun chatting with you guys. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. We hope that this episode helps you feel closer to anybody that you're apart from right now. We're just two cheesy romantics, but to us, love always wins. So we'll leave you with a quote from we don't know, literally unknown, but it's amazing. Distance means so little when someone means so much. That's what they said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.